Get ready for two hours of hard-hitting football talk. Straight from their jocks about the jocks. It's Football on the Know with Jim and Joe. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Football on the Know. I am Jim McVean alongside me is Mr. Joe DeCapita. What's going on, Orioles? Welcome back for another edition of Football on the Know show. And guess what's around the corner, everybody? If you're living under a rock... The Super Bowl is right around the corner. Cannot wait to see the two teams that have made it thus far. And one of them, nobody, and I mean nobody expected, the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the L.A. Rams. Uh, this is exciting because, uh, I mean, me as an NFL fan, I, I'm, and I'm sure you feel the same way, we always want to see someone different in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To kind of change it up, to shake it up. And here we have it, you know. Sean McVay once again makes it back to the Super Bowl for another chance to uh, get that Super Bowl trophy, that Lombardi trophy there. And also on the other side, we have a team that nobody really expected. And if you expected them to make it this far, you're on crack. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals uh, (laughs) made it all the way, fighting their way tooth and nail, beating the not just the number one seed in the AFC, but also the number two seed. And uh, they've come a long way, leaps and bounds. I mean, Joe Burrow uh, at at the helm, you know, throw, just you know, just throwing the ball all over the place to guys like Jamar Chase, to T. Higgins, to Tyler Boyd, uh, to C.J. Uzoma. These guys and, and this team, uh, even defensively, have stepped up uh, to this point, and that's what got them and propelled them right to the Super Bowl, the big show now. Uh, Jim, what do you got to say about these two teams in the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, it's super big. I first want to say greetings uh, to Paul Matty, who's out there with us tonight. He says greetings from Playa Linda Beach, Florida again, Paul Matty out there. Uh, and, What's up, um, Paul? Yeah, and so, yeah, these two teams, again, Bengals, they had it. At the end, you know, they talk about the teams that go on a big run. These guys only had a 10-7 and seven record, I think mm-hmm. it was, but – even looking back, you know, because again, you, you forget about these weeks. You see the games as they're going and you kind of forget. I look back and they beat the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs 34 mm-hmm. 31 the last couple of weeks of the season. So when they came to playing each other here in the, uh, the, the, the playoffs, it was kind of really should have been really a big surprise that these guys were right here into no. it, neck and neck, toe to toe, punch for front punch, blow for blow, and into that final uh, minutes of the overtime, mm-hmm. and, and they're here scratching and clawing. Maybe not so much, but just but right. we're so used to seeing these guys, um, these younger teams. They need to develop a little bit. Like I kept saying, I think they're just a bit a year too early in this. We see it, so they get a hot run. They're looking good, but it's just kind of that window they just hit right at the right time. Uh, I think if a few years come by, they're going to be that much better. But hey, they're striking while it's hot right now, so this is pretty <laughs> scary. And they got people thinking about maybe an early, uh, maybe if they could get it now, get yeah. this first ring now. 
how scary it could be if these guys stay together for multiple years. Absolutely. It's almost like uh, when you think about the old uh, uh, Legion of Boom, like uh, the Seattle yeah. Seahawks, when they were all young yeah. and they were able to make it to the Super Bowl and get that win early against the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the other hand, the Rams – they're that team. And, and it's funny because uh, the narrative, you, you, you kind of think about it. Everybody thinks they're just older guys because, yes, they've grabbed some talent through through free agency, through uh, uh, picks and, and trading. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, mm -hmm. overall age, they're just a bit over the what the, the, the Bengals are in youth. But they just grabbed a lot of bigger names and stars to where they have had to uh, break, give up draft picks and compensation for all that. But they're here. They're back again. There's no Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to deal with. So mm -hmm. John McVay, I'm sure, is super excited about that. But you've got Zach Taylor, on the other hand, who has been this guy that's been that up-and-coming kind of guy, the mm -hmm. the type of Sean, uh, uh, Sean McVay coaching tree. And there he is, you know, facing them there in the in the Super Bowl. That's going to be quite the uh, narrative to paint there, too, as well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's going to be exciting because it, also on the, on the, the Bengals <clears throat> side, if you think about it, we were just talking about maybe Zach Taylor being on the coaching hot seat after this season if they didn't pan out. For some people, they were just kind of like, wow, is he really going to be that guy that we want him to be, that Sean McVay type of deal? Well, he's here. He brought these guys there. They got the talent, and let's go. It's going to be exciting, Joe. Yeah, who they Bengals, you know what I mean? I mean, listen, uh, a team that's really come together and is and is hitting on all cylinders right down the stretch, right through the playoffs, they, they just – they needed that that big win, right, to, to get over that hurdle. So, I mean, they faced the Raiders in the first round, and that was a very, very, uh, you know, back-and-forth battle in that game. The Raiders had an opportunity a couple times to, to, to maybe steal a win away from the Bengals, but the Bengals held held their ground, and they proceeded to, to make the necessary plays, and here they are. Before you know it, they go up against the Chiefs in the championship game. Now they're in the Super Bowl, and for the Rams – What's interesting about the Rams is very different from the Bengals' situation right now as their team is they're a, the Bengals are a very young team, and they, they can only get better right now. You think about their offensive line and how, yes, that still needs to be upgraded, but and that's going to happen. I mean, think about after this season. Like, if they manage – and we talked about this last week, is the Bengals possibly being, if they make the right decisions, the next – type of dynasty type of team because they have the quarterback they have the weapons they have the running back right now the offensive line needs to be shored up and that's it for offense defensively they're just going to add more talent to that defense to make them better so this team could could and might, might quite possibly be built for the long haul after after the uh, the big big show the big dance here um for the super bowl and on the other side the rams are very different they are a lot of veterans right now, uh, a, lot, a lot of, uh, you know, guys that they managed to either add through someone being cut or a trade that has happened that they've managed to, you know, consummate and make this team better down the stretch veteran-wise. They, they pull off the big trade for Matt Stafford to bring him over and said, hey, we got Stafford now. Now I feel like we can, you know, Sean McVay's like, now I feel like we can make this big push for the Super Bowl and maybe possibly win it. So that team was more constructed on veterans uh, than the Bengals have. Bengals have been that team that's been slowly building over the last couple of years. You know what I mean? And now the Rams, they push all their chips to the middle of that, that table, and they're like, we're betting, on, we're betting on black right now. We're betting that we, with the vets that we have, we're going to come to this game, and we are going to finally get this championship, get this Lombardi Trophy. So two teams 
came from very different paths to get here. But, man, is it going to be exciting because now at least we have two different teams this season to watch in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be super exciting. Uh, Paul Matty's out there. He says, do the Rams cover by four and a half points? Um, yeah, I think they have the talent to again, but this is going to be – I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people expect even with, with some of this. Uh, I think the, the 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 game is going to be won in the trenches, and I know that's kind of that cliche type of thing and stuff, but looking at that defensive front that the Rams have and then that offensive line that has been so porous throughout the season, uh, giving up 51 sacks, I mean, to Joe Burrow here. Joe Burrow's been knocked down in sacks 51 times this season. That's, that's tough. That's Russell Wilson type numbers there. You know, he you, more he, than that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, he's on his back more than, than a uh, an adult porn star. You know what I'm saying? So it's no good. But the thing about Joe Burrow is he gets back up. He just shakes it all off yeah. and keeps going. It's Joe and cool. protects the ball at the same time. Exactly. Definitely. That's where he gets his name from. Uh, real quick, uh, just want to say, everybody, if you're new to the show, uh, just saying, hey, maybe you can help us grow this uh, community that we got here. Uh, go over onto YouTube or Facebook. Search us up football on the sh- on the no show. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell if you're on YouTube. To let you guys know when we go live. Also, we are on Twitter, at FB underscore no. Uh, listen, we've been at this for, what is it now, four years already? This will be finishing up our fourth year, yeah. and then we're gonna about to start our fifth. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of time that's flown right by, and, and really it is, it's all attributed to you guys out there, the know-it-alls that have been sticking with us uh, from day one to now, and we even got some new know-it-alls recently. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, but, yeah, make sure you, you let your friends know, your family members know. If, if they love football and they like to talk, like to, you know, uh, get, get involved, listen, this is the place to do it. We're one of the best shows out there on YouTube, especially for, for football talk and interact interaction. You know, you ask a question, we'll answer it. Or if you got something to say, say it. We'll bring it up on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And we have uh, just a, a couple of announce- announcements quick, too. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, because I know some people aren't on Facebook. I know Pat, uh, Paul is, though. Uh, but Amon Green will be joining us tomorrow. We're going to record a, a video, and it's going to be YouTube ex- exclusive. We will share it on YouTube. Facebook, but you have to go to YouTube to view the video. And uh, we also have LaVon Kirkland on Friday. We're going to be recording something with. So we'll be posting later on that day, Friday night as well. So two videos coming up from our virtual Radio Row. Godzilla Media brings you Radio Row uh, virtual. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going to try and share some other uh, interviews that we have from our uh, counterparts that we uh, do business with as well. And we're excited for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Uh, Paul Matty, he says, is that an FSU shirt? Yes, it yes, is. It is. You yes, know, that's is. right. Yeah, way to go on that one. Um, yeah, Joe is a big Florida State University fan. Um, all right, so it's before we get into the Super Bowl again. It's good to talk about it, but I just want to cover some of the final coaching hires that had fi- finished up this season. Um, and there's a bit of controversy behind a few of them again mm-hmm. after this whole thing that's been going on with Brian Flores yep. and the lawsuit and everything. And now he's even calling out some of his own guys and stuff. And so it's getting hairy. Uh, so it's tough because it's tough to keep your credibility when stuff like that happens, uh, when, especially when you're trying to fight a cause the way the way it is, the way he's bringing it out to be. But um, why don't we cover Lovey Smith quick and that whole thing with the Houston Texans. And that uh, that franchise seems to get it wrong all the time. You know what I mean? They're nonstop. They keep (laughs) saying they're going to do this, do that, and everything. Uh, But it seems like how many times it's obvious for them they shoot themselves Mm. in the foot and screw it up again. 
And here they go. They've had this guy here, you know, as a uh, coordinator. coordinator for them. Hasn't head coached for a, been a Hoke head coach for a while. I Since think last Chicago. time was was it Chicago? I think he was even in, he was in Tampa Bay. Was it when he head coached for a short time over there? I think that was his last stint was in Tampa Bay. I know Reem yeah. Morris was the head coach. No, there. I think he was for a little bit, like a while ago. Like, yeah, right after Chicago, they hired him for a little bit. And it didn't go out well. It mm. did not go well for them. And that was his last stint. And so now somebody like this, we've seen this kind of go bad. Look at Mike Nolan try to come back as a defensive coordinator here under Mike McCarthy and failed miserably. Uh, who knows? Maybe it could it could work out for, for them. But really, I think this um, the Houston Texans here – this season especially weren't really known for their defense here. I think they had a surprise quarterback that played pretty well for them and got some things going despite the lack of talent they had around them. But still, no Cinderella story whatsoever and moving forward for them. So for them to go and do this, especially after bringing in a bunch of different type of people here that they're considering on hiring and they go within house and it's Lovey Smith, that just feeds into some of the, um, the narratives I think that are out there that – um, this is the, the black guy they're going to set up to be with a bad team, yeah. and it's going to make it look another coach that's African-American look like a terrible coach because it's a bad team. Yeah. It's a bad organization. Right. And, and it just it's bad all together for them. Why not look something new, something different, something that can get that offense going, somebody, again, that can really get that quarterback going for them, get a new, fresh look, maybe somebody that could make me make Deshaun Watson happy again. I don't know. Maybe there's one chance that you no. could save it, but something no. like that. Why Why don't you go to Lovey Smith and everything else and just, again, feed into the same thing that just Houston sucks and nobody wants to be there? And just to confirm what you were saying, he yeah. was a Tampa Bay head coach yeah. from 2014 to 2016. 2016. Uh, the Bears, he was there for from 2004 to 2012. Yeah. That's yeah. a long See? time. A long time to really suck. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Then he went to Tampa, and it failed miserably. Yeah, so, I mean, this guy is, just has a track record of failure. Uh, and, and, and we talk about retread coaches. This is the epitome of retread coaches, guys that have been there, done that a couple times, but failed at those past jobs. What makes it any different, you know, you know, for, for Lovey Smith this time around, you know, now at 63 years old, was a D corner of Houston. That wasn't really their strength. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Lovey Smith did a good job as DC for Houston last uh, season with the limited amount of talent that he had to work with. Uh, and, and honestly, the quarterback that they got, uh, I forgot his first name. Mills is his last name. Davis Mills. Uh, Davis right? Mills. Yeah, yep. there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Davis Mills comes in. And, and the funny thing is a lot of people were just questioning. The only question that he had coming out of the draft was injuries. He was heavily injured at Stanford to a point where teams were just worried about can he actually last a season? Can he can is he going to be able to sustain a career in the NFL? That was the biggest question about him. Not he they all knew he could make the throws. They all knew that he was accurate. They all knew that he was that pocket type quarterback that can make quick decisions on you know on the go and and get rid of the football quickly. And here comes Davis Mills in Houston, and guess what? A lot of those questions were answered in his rookie year because not only did he get an opportunity with Tyrod Taylor getting injured, but he superseded all expectations, staying healthy all year and contributing in a major way for them. And a lot of times, getting them to win games that they shouldn't have won. So um, I think they got a they got a bright future with Davis Mills as a quarterback if they so choo choose to keep him as the starter. Um, other than that, 
uh, this team is going to go through a little bit of a rebuild. Uh, you know, they got. it looks like they have Davis Mills at quarterback, but then they have a bunch of running backs that they signed to win your deals, I believe, last season. Uh, they need, definitely need to re, uh, re-up re and upgrade that, that wide receiving core, that offensive line. There's a lot. They got a lot of work to do, to say the least. But for this hire, for it to be Lovey Smith of all people, uh, I feel like this hire was more geared to, just like uh, G- uh, Jimmy alluded to, is this Brian Flores situation and how there's, uh, you know, Brian Flores is standing up for there needs to be more minority coaches. And I think this is a root of it. I think the Houston Texans saw what was happening with the situation. Like, we don't want to be part of this, this argument. So let's let's hire in-house. Let's hire uh, a minority by the name of Lovey Smith and make him our head coach. And maybe, just maybe, we won't be p- a part of the negative talk this time. But guess what? You still failed. Uh, you, you hired one of the worst head coaches uh, there there is in the NFL. So, um, f- with prior experience. So, I mean, I, I, I give this. I, I don't. I give this a grade an F. I, I don't like this this hire at all. Lovey Smith has been there. He's done it. Listen, Lovey Smith built his career on being a great D coordinator, and that's what he is. Uh, we just like Jimmy said before. He's been with Tampa. He's been with Chicago. And he failed at both of them. So what makes this team any different, especially when they're rebuilding? I don't buy it. I think this is a bad hire. All right. Paul Matty says uh, Peterson will be great for Lawrence in Jacksonville. Uh, We're yeah, not it's there pretty, yet. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> but we can, we can move on right to there, though. But Doug Peterson, yeah, you know, that could be. I think it's interesting there. Uh, uh, again, he had success with Philadelphia, was able to bring them their first Super mm-hmm. Bowl and, and, and God knows when. I think it, it wasn't even their first you know, altogether. I know it has been a long time for them. At no, least. it wasn't their first. Their first it's been a long for, yeah. for them. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he from that Andy Reid coaching tree again, um, mm-hmm. and, and and was able to produce for them with a backup quarterback, and Nick right. Foles made the best out of that. Carson Wentz never looked better when he was with uh, Doug Peterson there, and um, it seemed like he even had something going on with with uh, with uh, Jalen Hurts there too. Uh, the only thing that killed him for his career. I think was just some of those decisions in that last season that he was there and including tanking in that last game, you know, and that just looked bad for image for the team altogether and things, but they were already having situations to where he was arguing with uh, Carson Wentz and this and that. And it was just too many different things going, which way he needed a new scene. So did they, so he moved on from there, but if he can latch on to uh, Trevor Lawrence here too, and help develop him a lot better than what urban Meyer was doing here, I think that's, that's a great situation, you know, and anything probably at this point would be better than what was going on with Urban Meyer with even the way he was treating players and everything else there. So and how he was able to bring that Philly team together. They were underdogs, much like the the Bengals are this season and really embraced the underdog type of deal, too, and propelled themselves further on to win that Super Bowl against the juggernaut of the Patriots. Um, that could be big for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Yeah, the the one thing that I'll say about this is Trevor Lawrence was super ecstatic, and I mean super ecstatic when he got to meet Doug Peterson uh, as his new head coach. Because listen, just like you know the problems that Urban Meyer had on and off the field as a head coach, and his you know a lot of players were disgruntled towards him. They didn't even want him there. That he lost the team before we even got halfway through the season. So they gave up on playing for him, playing hard for him, and it showed on the football field. Now, 
one year, not even a, a, a whole full season, really, uh, he ends up getting jettisoned out of, out of Jacksonville. Uh, here comes Doug Peterson, which I think is a good hire. Uh, I will admit that the Jacksonville Jaguars, I kind of expected them to go Byron Leftwich route. I, he was seen as a very, uh, you know, he seen, was seen as a, a favorite of, of that destination. And it, it, up until the last uh, second of the hiring of Doug Peterson, who kind of came in for a very quick interview, it seemed like. Uh, I'm sure they spent hours together, but um, it just seemed like he kind of he got flown there. They interviewed him real quick, and they were like, okay, Doug Peterson's our guy. Uh, so I don't think this is a bad hire. I think Doug Peterson is a good head coach, and he's worked well with other young quarterbacks or quarterbacks that he was devel- helping develop in his type of offense. So the one critical thing that I, that I think that failed him in Philly is his inability to run the ball. Uh, he had a lot of we- semi-weird plays where they almost looked like jet sweeps to a running back, where the running back was running you know, parallel with the line of scrimmage before they would even cut up, and it, it just failed miserably. So I hope he's learned from that mistake coming into Jacksonville. I mean, he's going to have some weapons in the backfield to utilize. J- James Robinson, he's mm-hmm. going to have Travis mm-hmm. Etne, who, who uh, got injured before this season as a rookie. So there's some there's some pieces to work with, and he's got a quarterback there. So Trevor Lawrence, he's going to fully develop. He's going to get him locked in on his offense, which I think is going to be fairly easy for Lawrence to learn and to adapt to uh, and just upgrade that offensive line a little bit more to help protect Trevor Lawrence, to help create running lanes for this uh, rushing attack and build more weapons around him in the receiving core. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, again, you make a really good point here, too. And I think we've uh, banged this drum until the, the skin or head of the drum has been broken. But uh, Byron Leftwich, again, this seems like it was the ultimate, probably best fit altogether yeah. because yeah. you you know how people like to put dots together. You just tie dot, da 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 da. And uh, Byron Leftwich used to play with the, the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, former quarterback. He can work with. Uh, Trevor Lawrence as well you know it seems like that makes sense here here he is working in Tampa right now it's just a short visit not you know far from there and he's been doing this for years his name has been brought up many times he's part of the African-American front of you know hot and -and up-and-coming coordinators right now that probably are deserving of a head coaching job we said it Back, I think, maybe even our first season doing this, if not our second season uh, doing our podcast, we saw the talent within him and the way he was, was moving up the ranks. Yeah. And we were moving up and saying, this guy's going to get a better job. He's going to get a better job. And then mm-hmm. finally got the offensive coordinator job here for the, the Buccaneers. And it only seemed like it would make sense. Uh, the fact that they still go offense, which is fine here, and go to the Doug Peterson route at first mm-hmm. was kind of a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, but, again, overall, when you look at it and you look at the the uh, talent that the team has and they're young and youthful and what he has done with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it would be uh, beneficial to them. Uh, but, again, leaves, leaves me wondering what, what's up with uh, Byron Leftwich. And, and that's the thing, too, is it, you, you got to wonder about these guys that have been praised, praised, praised to, to hopefully get uh, head coaching opportunities. And they've taken interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Except it's unless like people are ignoring them. Unless yeah. you're involved in the Super Bowl, obviously, you're going to miss out on some these interviews. And you see teams now, now that all the teams have filled those vacancies, mm-hmm. uh, a guy like maybe Kevin O'Connell with the Rams, who's the offensive coordinator, who was seen as one of those favorites for a couple of jobs, he's going to miss out because now he's playing in the biggest game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of his life. So, uh Sometimes that happens. 
But, you know, success is success. Um, for Byron Leftwich, though, this is kind of what I wonder about these guys, like Byron Leftwich, like Eric Bieniemy, like um, um, who else am I trying to think of? I don't know. But just to bring up a couple of minority coaches involved in the NFL now that were seen as favorites to land the head coaching mm-hmm. jobs this season. Some people have even brought up Todd Bowles, even though he's been a head coach before Todd Bowles, with the Jets. Right. And, and he's also like failed. Yeah. <laughs> he's a D coordinator. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. a couple of these guys, they went around, they did their interviews whenever they whenever they were able to. But I wonder about in, in that room, in that interview room, that process that they go through, uh, it almost seems to me that at times – Coaches like a Byron Leftwich maybe not know how to control the room, so to speak, or know what the right things to say to win the job or something of that nature. So when Byron Leftwich and, say, like Eric Bieniemy go into an interview room, maybe they're just not blowing away the ownership or the GM, you know, for the organizations. And, and, and because of them not uh, impressing them, I'll say, enough to where they see a, a couple other candidates that come in that maybe they've had head coaching experience and they've don't gone through these interviews before. So they come in, they know exactly what to say. They maybe have a little bit more confidence uh, in, in what, what they need to deliver for this team. Uh, and, and they kind of impress, they impress those, those teams. And that's why those guys end up getting the jobs. Uh, so I wonder if it's just kind of like, um, uh, not enough experience in the interview process or or know exactly what teams are looking for so they're not quite sure uh, what they should be directed upon uh, when they come into these discussions. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of something that I, I think is happening for some of the not not all, but I think mm-hmm. for some of them, maybe maybe, you know, it's kind of like deer in the headlights when you're sitting in there and they're as and they're peppering you with questions. And what kind of an offense are you going to run? And and what do you see, you know, personnel wise? What would you change with the current roster? Would you get rid of anybody? Would you look for someone different? Who is it? What's your plan? I mean, that's basically like they go in depth. And that's mm-hmm. why these mm-hmm. these interviews last for hours, because they're going in so in depth with their roster and what they would do, what they would change, what they would do, how practice would look like. You know, what I mean, there's so many things that they could ask these, um, you know, potential head coaches that it might be mind blowing to a point where they kind of they they still got to collect themselves until uh, maybe next season. Uh, they'll get the job. But I, I agree with you, Jimmy. I thought that this year would have been the year for a guy like Byron Leftwich. And it almost seemed like it was going to be writ- written right there, on, you know, going to sign on the dotted line. And then Doug Peterson comes in for a last-second interview. So um, we've seen these things happen, and that's where my mind takes me is I almost kind of think is it, 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 maybe they're just not impressing the ownership in the in the, in the GMs as much as they, they're – that they're looking for those mm-hmm. teams are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and talk about this we thought this was the year for byron leftwich so let me tell you this is the year new year new goals that's right go see mohawk honda there on freeman's bridge road they're right down from where i rode right from where i work uh huge uh parking lot there full of, of stock vehicles everywhere hondas chevys whatever they have there it's a, it's amazing they're fully loaded and right now you can still take uh, advantage of the kelly blue book instant cash offer where they will give you 
Whatever Kelly Blue Book says the offer is, boom, they'll write you a check right there for your car. If you want to trade it in, take the cash and run, or you can trade it in on the vehicle that you desire there. Check out their whole lot of in list of vehicles there. Uh, Lewis, the VIP man, Morales, Jake Hotsos Doyle there. They all, they'll help you out. They don't, they don't hound you all over. They're not like, oh, yeah, you how about this? How about this? How about this? They'll ask you what you want. What are you looking to do? What are you looking to, to spend? What, what car, what's your dream car? And they'll do their best to put you in your dream car at the price you want to pay every month and give you the value for that offer of your car, their trade-in too as well, to make it work for you on your type of budget. Because you know what? They treat you like family there. Mohawk Honda, they want you to not just be a customer. They want you to be a family member. Join into their family. Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road, or check them out at MohawkHonda.com, where they go out of their way to please you. That's right, Joe. Yes, uh, sir. So teams, are they going out of their way to please their players or anybody <laughs> with some, some coaches out here like Mohawk Honda? Do we need to get some of these guys out here? Like Instacam out there, you know, Cam McKenna, going to go work for the, the Houston Texans here to try and get some uh, good coaching in here or what? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they have enough experience. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I'll say this too is that, hey, everybody, if you're listening to us on your podcast, anywhere you can get your podcasts, uh, we're there. Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we're there. Make Google sure you, too. Make sure I you, forget about Google. <laughs> Google too. Google plays uh, make, sure you, yeah. make sure you follow us to help us grow a little bit more in the, in the podcasting realm. And uh, really appreciate all the support, guys. It's been an amazing four years so far. Um, but, yeah, going into this head coaching uh, ring here, uh, another head coach that, that just got signed uh, relatively recently is Dennis Allen, mm-hmm. uh, You know, a guy who's been the D coordinator for the Saints, is now the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And what I'll say about this hire is that I'm not surprised about the hire, but I'm also a little bit concerned. Uh, and, and because this is a team right now, the Saints are in big trouble cap-wise. They are way over the cap. Uh, and it, it, what does that mean for New Orleans going forward? Well, that means that they're not going to really be players in free agency for, for sure. Um, and they're going to be looking to unload maybe mm-hmm. even some players mm-hmm. to get back under the cap. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, they are the most – over the cap than any other team in the NFL. They have 75 in change, 75 million in change over the cap. That mm-hmm. is that what that is actually worse than if you remember the, how far the Raiders were over the cap mm-hmm. by like 61 million. They superseded that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like they were another team kind of like the Rams where they were kind of just Make it trying to get one last Super Bowl run before Drew Brees left and stuff. So they started paying guys, keeping them and everything. Well, now it's coming coming back. To, the Grim Reapers here to collect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. And it's funny because I heard when I was uh, listening to Levac and Gaz the other day, um, and the, the Levac was even saying about the the Dennis Allen hire when they came in after Sean Payton uh, of leaving uh, that he's looking at the 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 glasses half full even, which is kind of strange because he was even saying, well, you you bring back Michael Thomas, he's healthy this season, so maybe you have that and stuff. I'm looking at it as like, how? You know what I mean? You you come back and say, Michael, Michael Thomas be healthy enough to unload. You got to unload Thomas, him. Michael Thomas, from what I understand, run. is a free agent this year. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, so he's not even going to be there. He's not even there. counting so that against. You want to have that contract off of there, yeah. so you, you want to be able to save money. You got to take a look at this Alvin Kamara situation here and, and deal with that and see what's going on with that, too, as well, and, and see how that plays into your roster next season. Well, here's the thing, too, is like they could easily – I say easily. There's always a way to get back under the cap, for sure. You can renegotiate contracts, pay more signing bonus money to convert that into a lower cap number. However, 
you can just flat out unload money too. Like Ryan Remzik right now, one of the best all pro right tackles. He has no cap hit on his contract, but this guy's making up up over twelve million, thirteen million a year. So right there, that could that could really help you. I understand you're getting rid of a great player, but you got to find a way to get underneath this cap hit. And this and Sean Payton, you there's a reason why Payton decided to retire now is because he saw the writing on the wall after Drew Brees left, and they tried to make it work with Jameis Winston. They tried to make it work with Taysom Hill. And he saw, he's like, you know what? I can't get anywhere with these guys. There's no way that I can make a winning team with the limited talent that I have on offense, no firepower, no Michael Thomas, and all I have is Kamara and my offensive line. That's pretty much all he has on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, really good defense, but wait. This offseason might change all that. Uh, you, you look at Marshawn Lattimore, who might be looking to become a free agent. You know what I mean? He might be out of there. So there's a lot of transition, a lot of change that's going to happen with this roster. And with Dennis Allen taking the job, he has a little bit of head coaching experience. He was once the Raiders head coach for a, a short amount of time, uh, for about a couple years. And... During his time as a Raiders coach, I don't think Dennis Allen was given the full opportunity of calling the shots like John Gruden was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Allen was at, was that D coordinator specialist who they kind of they brought in. They thought, okay, but listen, Al Davis was still alive then. Al Davis didn't let any head coach really make big time decisions. Mm -hmm. He wanted man to man defense. He wanted uh, an offense that threw the ball way down the field a lot of the, you know, a lot of the time. So that's how was kind of handcuffed in that head coaching vacancy that he took over. So I'm going to give Dennis Allen a clean slate. Let's see what he can do with the Saints. I know a lot of New Orleans fans out there might not be happy about whether it be Dennis Allen being hired. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. However, let's see what he can do. Now he has to rebuild a team though. That's another tall order on top of everything. It's one thing to be the head coach to be the D coordinator or the defensive-minded guy. Uh, but this team is definitely going to go through a big-time overhaul, and I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get back to their winning ways. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing they got to look forward to here with that. And that the only thing I got to say about it, I like how the they go with uh, Dennis Allen and the stability. But, again, on the defensive side, uh, I think defensively they're fine, but – they, I think they need help offense. We're I think they need an offensive-minded here, Coach, and uh, we'll see what happens. And, again, they were another team that, that brought in a lot of uh, uh, people of color that, that were going to be you know head coaching uh, candidates, and they didn't go with any again. Instead, they still went from in-house. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's an interesting uh, point of view for them too as well. Uh, let's move on to the um, – how about the uh, Miami Dolphins, Joe? Let's move on to the Dolphins and the head scratcher in that one, too. And then we'll, we'll probably wrap it up pretty soon with the, with the coach's uh, situation and get to the big game. I'm super excited about the big game. Uh, Mike McDaniels, the, the OC for the 49ers, uh, gets the job for the, with the Dolphins as head coach. And what the fuck? I mean, what? quite simply, you fired Brian Flores, who is one of the better – coaches around the league that everybody sees him as or I, I can't say everybody but most people in league circles see him as a really good head coach you end up firing him and my my rule of thumb is whether it be a player whether it be a coach if you're upgrading fine you get rid of the current guy that you have you upgrade to the next guy I that I'm all for that 
But to me, it looks like the Dolphins fired their good coach and settled for a coach that I don't think deserves being the head football coach of any team. Uh, He was seen as the OC of the Niners, but let's face it. You know, Kyle Shanahan is the OC there. He's also the head coach. So what was the reasoning for the Mike McDaniels hire? You know, is it he's he's also a minority. You know, what I mean, he looks white as can be, but yeah, he but he maybe I, mean, I don't know if he's <laughs> he Spanish or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's but, gotta but, be. And here's a kicker. Yeah. Just like we complained about, <laughs> I think two weeks ago, maybe last week, um, we complained about the compensatory picks that you'll get if you lose a minority coach. Yeah. Now, not just not 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 just losing a player. Now you're losing a minority coach. Guess what? You get a couple of draft picks. What? So now the 49ers are not only going to they lo- they lose their OC, uh-huh. but they get a couple of, of of supplemental picks just for losing a guy that really isn't that impactful on the team. So mm-hmm. uh Dolphins, I really think that they screwed this up again. They had a really good coach in, in, already in inserted there and I think they just they they just messed everything up. You because now you got to look at this team. Now, now you're gonna look, you got to change the offense. Now the offense is gonna change. Tua's got to learn a new offense again. All the wide receivers, everybody involved. Defensively, the staff is gonna be different. So there's a lot of change now all over again. And on top of that, you're still not 100 percent there in terms of your roster. Your offensive line needs to be better. Your defense was was good when Flores was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now. Maybe some of those players don't want to hang around. Maybe they demand a trade or something. You, you never know what's going to happen. But I think this is a, a bad hire yet again by another organization this season. And I think they're going to pay for it really quickly. Yeah, again, there's a big head scratcher here. And some of the things you're, you're hearing about what you know Flores has brought to light about this organization, there's even some witnesses saying that they heard about the $100,000 uh, you know, for losing – um everything you know losing again and all that stuff and then also now what we are trying to do and and who you're picking to to take over for brian flores Mm -hmm. who again was given very little and even had some talent and traded that talent into other players gave it up and was still winning and still got the draft picks for you and still got the quarterback that you supposedly wanted to as well delivered Everything that you could possibly want except for a championship yet. But it seemed like they were trending that way, at least to take the division. They were moving up. But it's Mm -hmm. just tough that they have the Patriots still there who are sticking around and happen to get the quarterback they wanted to by even trading back, which is amazing in itself too. And the Buffalo Bills, who have been stupendous here and having Josh Allen and, and, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and all those guys there, too, as well. That's the only thing that's kind of been in in his way. And the fact that he wouldn't do some of the things that you wanted him to do and it wasn't working out the way you wanted here Mm -hmm. and and, and you want to move on from him. We're all looking at you and say, all right, well, then give us something better. And this is what you lay out on there. Mm -hmm. Really? Especially a 49ers uh, offense, yes, I think they were ranked fourth or fifth up there, maybe even first in rushing uh, you know, with their offense. But like Joe said, that's all Kyle Shanahan. You know, you're just another assistant on top of that. Mm-hmm. I, until you can prove other, otherwise or differently, that's how I'm going to feel. Uh, so, And you can see what they've done even with their quarterback. They're still trying to search for their quarterback, even they just shelled out some money for Jimmy G. Now you're hearing they want to trade him away. They're happy with Trey Lance. But then there was also talks about maybe um, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers going to the 49ers here. So they're still situ- figuring out that situation over there. So for the fact that you thought Brian Flores was not the guy and you go to this, fans are lighting up Twitter all over the place, and all of us <laughs> out here are sitting here scratching our heads. By the way, I want to give a shout-out to our man that's in the house with us tonight. Just joined the lobby. Tom Leiter's in the house. What's going on, Late Tom? for the show again. That's all right, Tom. We right. started late, though, so it's all good. The most important thing, Tom, is that you're here You're now. here. You were there here, you that's go. right. But, uh, Thank you so much. But, yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing, too, is that this is a little bit of a questionable hire. Uh, you know, a guy that, just like we were talking about, like, what is this guy going to actually do for your team? How is he enhancing, you know, th- this team? I don't see it. Uh, yes, he's young, 38 years old. You know, he's had stints with the Denver Broncos, with the Washington, uh, what was once the Redskins. The Houston Texans, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns and uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And, and then he went to San, he ended up in San Francisco. But none of them included the, you know, he wasn't the guy. You know, he wasn't the one that created the offense or anything. So um, he learned a lot. Don't get me wrong. He probably learned a lot under Kyle Shanahan, learned a lot from anybody else that he was um, under. But this kind of, they're, they're almost banking on, his previous experience with a guy by the name of Robert Griffin III, mm-hmm. who was drafted, he had a, had a year of explosive uh, production for Washington and then got injured. Uh, but they're, they're hoping that somehow like he helped develop him and that maybe he can do the same for Tua. But honestly, I just don't see the connection here. I don't see him uh, becoming that that – the, the better head coach over Brian Flores. I just don't see it, and I don't think he has enough experience. I don't think he's going to do a adequate job there in, in Miami because, quite simply, what has he done in San Fran that 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 has earned him the right? So mm-hmm. uh, I don't see that. I don't see the evidence. And I again, I think this is another terrible hire. Uh, so yeah, we, mark that on we'll the board. See, absolutely. Uh, Tom Leiter says, "What's up with Murray in Arizona?" We we knew we would hear this have this question yeah. out here, right? So we, we were gonna make it a topic, but we'll throw it out there. Um, yeah, again, it just seems to me again like he's throwing leverage um, out there. You know, uh, I think the Pro Bowl makes it a little easier for some people to see that these guys are all friends. They hang out, they talk. Yeah, sure. Well, they get to know each other wants too. to try to. Hey, man, why don't you come play with us over here, man? You'll have a lot of fun and, and all that other stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, but they're all they're all cool with each other. Um, so they're going to talk. They're going to have some fun like that. Uh, but it is about money, too. Uh, he this is his last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. And then they have the fifth year option that the team can pick up, which it probably they will, will. <laughs> here. And um, that's it. So I think after that, he's going to throw it out there. This is a leverage that he's going to do, you know, and so taking it off of Instagram, you see how big of a deal it was. Everybody's lighting up the internet. Oh my goodness. They took it all off. And then even the one photo, the, the bird on the helmet is not even visible. Check it out. You know what I mean? And he's there next to CD lamb and, and all these guys and Micah Parsons and uh, talking to Mike Evans, you know, Kyler Murray's going to be the next quarterback of the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nope. Uh, that sounds like a great story. It does. It's a it great sounds story. amazing, but really it is again, it's about leverage. Um, they're going to do the fifth-year option, take it up here, and then they're going to have a deal for him in set because even next season they unload a lot of money and they will be better in the cap situation, so they're going to give him his pay, what he wants, and uh, he's going to be a, an Arizona Cardinal in my eyes. So. Here's the thing about all this is everyone's kind of jumping to those mm-hmm. conclusions because they've seen him like 
you know, unfollow the Cardinals. He unfollowed every team. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he just want, wants to take a break from social media, doesn't want to be involved with anything, doesn't want to hear nothing because uh, the offseason is right around the corner. So maybe he just wants to focus on on working on himself in the offseason. No one's even brought that up. Uh, the, the other thing, too, is like, yeah, you could make a case like, oh, well, he, he, he's not following the Cardinals anymore, so maybe he's looking to get out. Maybe he's going to request a trade. I don't think so. Not after the run the Cardinals had this season. It's not like they weren't a very good team. They were a very good team. You know, they, they competed. They won that division. You know, and, and for, for, for whatever reason, Kyler Murray did what he did. I don't think this is him, like, lashing out saying, oh, I, I, I don't want to be part of this team anymore. You got DeAndre Hopkins coming mm-hmm. back healthy next year. You got this team, this defense that they, they upgraded last offseason and, and looked really good on the football field. I mean, they were attacking. They were getting after the quarterbacks. They were creating turnovers. And then offensively, it was almost like they were scoring at will when they were healthy. Uh, so uh, I find it very, very um, almost impossible uh, for for anything other to happen than Kyler Murray suiting up for the Cardinals next season, uh, I, I don't look too much into this. I know everybody kind of wants to make a story about it, but in the end, I think as, after the dust settles, he's going to be in the Cardinal uniform. He's going to be performing Week One of next season and and and, and there on after. Although what I will say about the Cardinals and the contract is, I'll say that if the Cardinals are smart, they they work on a contract right now. They get a deal done right now because what's going to happen is we already already have seen every contract seems to climb a little higher on that ladder, a little higher on that ladder, a little bit more money, a little bit more money. So if you do a contract now and get a deal finalized and done, the next quarterback that's going to sign is going to look to supersede everybody else. So um, it might be smart cap-wise to maybe try to get something done sooner rather than later yeah absolutely and, and while while you know strike it while it's hot absolutely you know that'll make it work for them lock him in because again he is your your franchise whether it makes it trend upwards or downwards Cliff Kingsbury has said it and I think in that last playoff game a lot of the problems that they had was partially Kyler Murray but again mm-hmm. only he and Cam Newton in his first three years as a rookie has had over I think 10,000 yards rushing or t- uh, passing but in a couple of thousand yards rushing uh so good company there and then also I think even uh with there's another stat that put Josh Allen in the mix too so those three quarterbacks together what they're able to do mm-hmm. uh athletically on the field is not surpassed by many uh so uh, you, to t- have that type of quarterback and just say oh he's not happy all oh, man and then he's going to end up walking I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen they're going to they're going to do their best to get a deal done like Joe said this season and they're Gonna again, maybe not right away. The backloaded, whatever they gotta do to make money work, especially because I said next season they're gonna have a lot more money and they can rework some more contracts and maybe get some more talent for them there too as well, so they could get even scarier. And Tom Leiter says he goes, I'm just glad they're talking about anything but Wilson going to wherever. Wilson uh, did this uh, his fourth year and uh, got that huge second contract. See, that's mm-hmm. the thing. These guys do this. And like he said, he's happy. Yeah. Cause he's within the same division too. He just wants somebody to talk about somebody other than his team and his quarterback leaving. So that's good for him. Um, <laughs> maybe no Donnie's not excited about this though. You know what I mean? And the Cardinals, but again, it's Rest not a whole lot going on besides the super bowl. Rest we know assured. besides that. So, you know, people look at all their different storylines that can try and make something out of it. And uh, what also Tom, uh, Paul, uh, Maddie says uh, that um, uh, Alvin Kamara is the only one in uh, Vegas in the Pro Bowl weekend that actually uh, hit somebody. I'm going to jail! 
Yeah, yeah. So he gets <laughs> him and his boys. I mean, and that thing is a weird situation because, you know, if you hear the story of what happened, yeah. you know, they're in the Vegas elevator. A guy wanted to come in or something like that. Him and his guys push it back saying, no, you're not getting in the elevator with us. Guy says, yeah, I want to just get in or whatever. And then, boom, you know, and just, and just stuff like that. Is your mic okay? Yeah, yeah. You just Sorry, knocked it I out, bro. Yeah, Luckily, I just hit, you know, this way but with my left hand. If it was my right, it would have got obliterated. <laughs> but, you know, uh, <laughs> But uh, and that's what happens. And then you don't know. You know, what I mean, it was this guy out of hand was Alvin Kamara out of hand. We don't know. But this is what happens. And now another guy in trouble. And for me, I, I try to think about this and it might be out of hand. It might be blown out of proportion and stuff. But I like to ponder some of these questions here and, and things, because, again, media likes to do it. Then uh, why the hell can't I sometimes, Joe? And it, it goes back to looking at when um the NFL decided to roll with this and agree on getting a franchise in Vegas. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly that the Raiders are causing a problem. It's Vegas causing it for the franchise, but you're trending to see a lot more players there hanging out and doing things, especially because now you have the pro bowl there. You have other teams visiting there to play the Raiders. You're going to have the draft there too. There's a lot of crime or just things that are going badly for a lot of these players here in Vegas. And they say whatever stays in Vegas or happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not when you're an NFL player because you have cameras around you at all times and everybody's looking to uh, you know, let you know and let everybody know what's going on. And if there's a problem, people are going to hear about it. And I think just recently this season, we've heard a lot of different problems going on in Vegas. And do does the NFL even look back at this and like, oh man, did we make a mistake by putting a team in Las Vegas? No, not at all. I mean, this is this is this can happen in any city. Uh, so I mean, you know, drinking, the the speeding, the getting into accidents, you know, manslaughter, all that kind of stuff can happen in any city. So for for anybody to kind of point at Vegas and be like, oh, that was a bad decision. You shouldn't have never let a, a sports team in there. Listen, hockey started that whole that whole you know wave. Uh, of of creating it into a sports town. Um, not I'm not pointing blame at NHL or anything, but uh, what I'm saying is they wanted it to become a sports town. The city wanted it. They felt like they needed sports in that city, and and here they have they have two franchises now in there. Uh, you know the 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 um, the Golden Knights in the NHL, and then you have the Raiders now in the NFL. So to point blame at like individuals and and say, oh well, no, it's it's Vegas. That's why it happened. No, not at all. You can get drunk anywhere. You can speed anywhere. You can get into problems. Listen, guys, guys were waving around guns and stuff. You know what I mean? That type yeah, yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like that happens anywhere. So mm -hmm. for people to kind of point blame at Vegas, oh well, it's you know, the the entertainment capital of the world. It's all their fault. No, it's individual. You know, it's it's taking it upon yourself. Listen, it's your fault. You know what I mean? You're they're all grown grown men now. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you make bad decisions. You got to suffer the consequences, and unfortunately, that has happened, you know, numerous times, especially this this season, for anywhere. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, for for teams to be like, oh well, the Raiders shouldn't have been there, and the, and it's almost like it's weird because it seems like uh, some players are pointing the blame at the Raiders for for having their team in Las Vegas, but really, it's uh, it's on you. Anything that you make a bad decision on, and you you got to live with, that's on you. So. I feel like guys need to be more mature. They need to more be more responsible wherever they go, and, and that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, and that's the problem. And, and the NFL has had this kind of these issues forever. You know, they've done a good job years ago, like decades ago, of hiding everything, 
And now that social media has evolved and and everything is more public now, now now you can't get away with shit. Now it's just out in the open. TMZ is right around the corner mm-hmm. videotaping mm-hmm. you and you don't even realize mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So now it's just out there. So the NFL, I, I feel like they, they, need, they need to do a little bit better job of teaching these guys of how important it is uh, of being a part of an organization and this gigantic, um, I don't know what you want to call them, corporation, whatever, the NFL mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. they're all part of this. Mm-hmm. And anything, any bad choice that they make, it does affect the team that they're playing for and the NFL. Oh, Tom Leiter says, last time I was in Vegas, I left married. It's not safe. Boom. Yeah, there you go. Nice. So did you do so did you really just go do one of those just overnight things? Or like go and hey, just uh, the drive through like marriage uh, or something like that? Like Elvis or something? That's pretty <laughs> I want to hear that story sometime, Tom. Yeah, That's Tom, gonna be interesting. Share. And he said it's not safe, so <laughs> I, I don't know if that went uh great for him or not. So really, that's really interesting. Uh, oh man, that's that's awesome. But keep the comments coming. We love it out there. Yeah, uh poison uh, uh poison question out there too. You guys we know the NFL honors are coming out there too. So who do you guys Elvis. think for who, who do you guys for the NFL MVP offensive player out there. Let us know in the comments. Light up the comments here with us here, especially if you're on YouTube. Uh, he says, Miniature Elvis. Miniature yes. Elvis was there. I like awesome. It. I love it. I love it. Man. Oh, Elvis. I wish I had an Elvis bumper here for something. Uh-huh. I don't. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. All right. So, uh, yeah, the coaching hires have been crazy. Again, this is going to be an insane offseason. Uh, the headlines are going nuts, but nothing uh, bigger than the headlines here at the, the Super Bowl. And to remind you guys again, while I have even Tom Leiter and a bunch of you on here, we are going to do – we've been doing it for Godzilla Media this whole week, virtual interviews here, virtual radio row, just because of what's going on in L.A. and COVID and everything. We couldn't make it there, This, but we are going virtual with different interviews, former NFL players out out there uh tomorrow we will be recording a session with amon green former green bay yes. packer and nfl great then on friday we're going to be also recording a, a session with levon kirkland former pittsburgh Steeler. you yeah, know buddy. super bowl Steel player there. yeah who had a big Blitzburg. oh blitzburg big sack on a troy aikman if only he had a quarterback <laughs> in that that super bowl things might be different might we could be, be calling him super bowl champion he'll be joining us on friday we're going to get those videos out there by YouTube only, and also I think on Spotify and our, our podcast. We're going to post them on the podcast mm-hmm. there. Yep. So the only way to check them out is to go to our YouTube page. So if you haven't yet, go there, hit the subscribe button, let you know whenever we get live and or whenever we post a video out there, you'll know, and you can go check it out firsthand. And also go check us out on Spotify hit the follow button, and listen to you on the go. This is why we started this thing. Football on the know has to go with basically you can check us out on the go through the headphones, wherever you want. You can look at us on your phone on Facebook. We're here for you at any platform that you want to use. It's just all for you. Yeah, so it's our Radio Row exclusives. That's I mean, right. these are pretty big interviews, and I, I'm excited. We get to interview Amon Green, LaVon Kirkland on two different days, Thursday and Friday. Uh, make sure you, you look out for those videos and make sure because they are only going to be on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, hop over to YouTube real quick. Find us on Football on the No Show and subscribe. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and notification bell. Turn it on to all so that way you guys get notified whenever we post those interviews. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about something that's amazing, too. It's been our sponsors. I can't thank them enough. Buck Environmental Solutions, everything they've done for us and my family, too, but mm -hmm. taking care of the ticks every year for us. You know, they've been a big sponsor for us. We talked about Mohawk Honda, but I'm just going to bring up our guys that are sponsoring Radio Row along with us, and that's Colorize. Colorize right there. There they are. There's their symbol right there. They are the paint professionals. They have three locations here in upstate New York, Queensbury, Clifton Park, and Niskayuna. Talk to my man, Link. He's in Clifton Park. That's right. Not only the Bear Moore professionals here, they cover all that, but they do PPG, everything else, all phases. And they're not just your Joe Schmo that's, you know, the kid that they put in the Home Depot here in that paint department at that particular day. They know what they're doing. Go check them out. Any kind of project. Don't have to be a paint professional. You could be your, your guy doing your D, do it yourself for here. Spring's going to be coming soon, hopefully. You know, even though the groundhog said it's not, F him. He's wrong 30% of the time. So who cares? I think spring's coming. So you're going to check it out. Get some home improvements done. Go see like our it. guys there. Colorize.com. Mycolorize.com. Sorry. And then check them out. Give them a call. Definitely. Uh, definitely. And, uh, John, Tom Leiter's right there. It's not, uh, it's not easy to find, but worth it. Uh, was for the, the miniature uh, Elvis. Miniature Elvis? Yeah. yeah, excellent. And then he says, Johnstone Supply. That's right, Johnstone Supply. He's on board. Yeah, Johnstone Supplies with us. Joe, you want to read, read, tell us about Johnstone Supply? Well, let me, let me tell you a little Leiter's bit about it. Excited you know, about Johnstone Tom, Supply. Tom Leiter's all he in. Knows. He's excited. I can tell. Uh, and, and and Johnstone Supply is not just in the upstate New York area, you know, right. northeast or whatever. They're also down in Florida. They're also out by Tom there, mm -hmm. uh, out by Seattle. So, uh, listen. Right now, it's cold up here in the Northeast, and we're really feeling it right now. Uh, it's more important than ever to make sure your furnace or boiler is ready to handle the extra workload that it's going to have to go through. Johnson Supply in Troy, New York is ready to help you guys or anywhere else that they have locations. The crew at Johnson Supply will give you the advice you need to figure out the best solution for you guys out there. Johnson Supply in Troy has the new high-efficient Goodman Furnace and Naveen Boiler. That's right, Naveen Boiler. Naveen. Uh, you can stop into the 6th Avenue uh, in Troy, New York location or call John Stone Supply at 518-272-5922 um, and do us a favor. Hit the number two on the dial tone there for the counter guys and tell Tom, Kevin, James, or Rob that you heard it right here on Football on the No Show. Let them know what you guys need. They're there to answer the questions. Uh, and they have more locations in up here in New York. Listen, we uh, down by Ocala, Florida, I believe, by one of our buddies, Mike Tackett. He has a location down there yeah, near him. Correct. And also out in uh, out by Seattle, where where Tom Leiter is. Uh, listen, they don't just do heating; they also can help you guys out with your AC units and, and cooling down your your home. So uh, mm -hmm. make sure you reach out to them. That's uh, if you're in the New York area, five one eight two seven two five nine two two, or reach out to them. Uh, wherever your locations are. Mm, there you go, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Leiter says, but wait, there's more. That's, That's right. right. Wait, there's more. There is if more. If you call them right now and wake them out of bed. <laughs> wake them up out of bed. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll let us know that you're watching us right now, and they're super excited. I heard about you guys. Just let you know. Yeah, Tom, he's going to be excited in, 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 in the next couple of weeks, too, when, when uh, we get to possibly talk some college football with, with uh, yes. some of the guys in some of our hookups, too. Yeah. And he's a big Notre Dame fan, so that would be a he lot is. of fun for him. So, uh, But now now the big time is the big game. Here it is. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, it is. It's Super Bowl 56, Super baby. Bowl. I don't even know if legally Let's we're go, able baby. to say that, but we did it anyways. And there's the Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, two different teams. Well, except for the Rams, they were there a couple years ago. But 
I'm excited. The Bengals are there. Fresh, young, kind of up-and-coming guys. Go. We've got the Rams. Again, Sean McVay, that flying offense type of deal. Mm -hmm. Odell Beckham Jr., the polarizing icon that he is. Cooper Cup, the Triple Crown winner. This guy is a stud in a Philly doing what he does you know, on the field all day long here. And uh, Matthew Stafford, that story, that story of redemption, you know, playing stuck on a losing team and a terrible <laughs> franchise in the Detroit Lions. He go, going to this team, he's been questioned throughout his career. Is it really him or does he just have, just have you know, Megatron there and that's all he can do? Uh, so many different storylines, so many different questions about mm -hmm. this game, Joe. I'm super excited. Let's get into it now. Let's cover the Rams here now, Joe. Here we go. Yes, sir. The Rams, again, they've gone all in. If you want to talk about Vegas a lot, this has got to be the Rams type of story here, too. They're playing blackjack, and they've gone all in on this. Mm -hmm. You know, through since that first run that they really grabbed a lot of guys, I think, by drafting and doing things like that, taking what Jeff Fisher had kind of left behind and built off of that and kind of seemed like they fixed Jared Goff from what, you know, was looked really bad with Jeff Fisher. Mm -hmm. Um Looked like they were going some places, but it seemed after that Super Bowl loss, they were destined to try and get back there so quickly, and they had new ownership too as well by then, that they just started doing trades again, and Dominic Sue, guys like that, um, and, and things. And now they've brought in you know Jalen Ramsey's been there for a few years, but this year the main stories for them and the main puzzle pieces was the moving of Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford. And then late, later on, they were able to acquire um, Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr., and it's been a game-changer for the Rams. Yeah, and the funny thing about the Odell situation wasn't even a trade. He got cut. Yeah, got cut, and they were uh, able to pick him up. And able to pick him up. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think he made the right decision. I mean, Odell looked at his, his choices or whatever, and it, he got on the right team because obviously he's in the playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, and this, this is what's going to make this, this offense very dynamic because not only do they have Cooper Cup, who's been having a career year uh, at wide receiver, but also now they now people are get, starting to pay attention to Odell Beckham Jr. making a you know, resurgence of his career, so to speak, uh, and, and being that kind of go-to guy when Cooper Cup is locked up. So um, no Robert Woods. You know, he, he, he got a, a torn ACL, you know, halfway through the season. And uh, the, the Rams knew they had to do something. Otherwise, that offense wasn't going to be as, as prolific as, as it has been. So, uh, luckily, Odell Beckham became available. They bring him in, insert him in the Robert Woods spot, and they don't miss a beat. So, um, now they're in the big dance. There's going to be a lot of, of, you know, X's and O's and strategy and schemes and, and, uh, and maybe even a little bit of trick plays in the Super Bowl that we're going to have to watch out for. But, nonetheless... What this is going to come down to is both teams have have weapons to to use. It's going to be in the trenches, you know, and that's going to be a big part of the Super Bowl. Can the Bengals in their kind of up and down type of offensive line and their protection, can they be able to like maybe hold off an Aaron Donald? And even if they do that, they're going to have to worry about Von Miller screaming off the edge or Leonard Floyd on the opposite side. So. They're going to have to pick pick and choose their battles throughout this game. But, man, oh, man, they're going to have to come up with a game plan to where they're going to have to utilize Joe Mixon out of the backfield and try to chip Von Miller and double-team Aaron Donald. They're going to try to figure something out, absolutely. Uh, but in the end, if they can help protect Joe Burrow and give him a little bit of time, 
Joe Burrow's going to deliver. He's Joe Cool. They don't call him that for nothing. So uh, he's got ice in his veins. And I, and I fully expect uh, the Bengals to try to also run the ball against this defensive line in this defense because statistically uh, they have not been very good against the run. The Rams have struggled a little bit when it comes to stopping the run game. So if the Bengals are able to run this ball a little bit and kind of keep them off balance, we might see a, a very, very different game uh, than some people are expecting. The Rams, a lot of people are favoriting right now. They're saying, hey, there's no doubt in our minds that the Rams are going to come out on top. But I wouldn't be so so quick about that. I wouldn't be so sure. Uh, there's a lot of variables to, to the playoffs and now the Super Bowl. And it's a matter of how well teams can st- you know, keep composure. That's it. Just keep composure. Do what got you there. Don't try to change some things all around. Don't try to change your offense overnight. Do what got you there. Bengals got a hell of a, pr- a productive offense. Can their O-line hold up? And defensively, that Bengals defense, I got to say they stepped up quite big in, a, in you know, a few spots you know, when they played the Chiefs and when they played the Titans. And they got to continue to trend upwards. They got to continue to get better. So coming into the Super Bowl, they got to be the best version of themselves. Rams defense, I know it's scary, and they are really good. They got Ramsey, you know, and, and the coverage. They got a, nice, uh, a few nice young pieces uh, that are starting to make names for themselves. And then offensively, the Rams uh, with Stafford, what affects him the most, just like any other quarterback? Pressure. So can the Bengals create enough pressure to get him off his spot, to get him running more than just standing still, get him to throw the ball earlier than he needs to? And a lot of people say this about Stafford, is this season, he'll always give you one. He'll give you one opportunity to turn it over, guaranteed. And we saw that against the Niners. We saw him float a ball up to basically right to the safety, and the safety dropped the ball. So watch out for that to happen. And and overall, this game I feel like is going to be one of the most exciting uh, Super Bowls that, that we're able to watch. I know some people might be down on the, on the opponent with the Bengals in there, but I'm not. I think this is a great matchup for both teams. And I really do fully expect a great game. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's why, I mean, they, we begged to, they asked a question again. Can Matthew Stafford deliver? And this is the question people have had because, um, again, when we, there, it was kind of, I don't know, maybe it was like 50-50. I think when the trade went down, Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, a lot of people were sitting there like kind of like, huh, really? You know, some of the, I think even some of the younger guys that really kind of look at Matthew Stafford. The, the problem is, I think when you look at particular fans, uh, I know like Tom Leiter, again, we're older. You know, we've seen a lot of different great quarterbacks come mm-hmm. in. We've seen a lot of me- mediocre quarterbacks. We've seen a lot of bad ones. We see Matthew Stafford when he came in and what he has the capability of doing. Mm-hmm. He was on a bad team, too. He yep. was able to still put up great numbers. Within his first five seasons, he's up there with Drew Brees' numbers, and Peyton Manning, guys like that. People see that he's on a losing team, and he instantly sucks. People now, again, younger guys, they got to see the way uh, Philip Rivers was playing, turnover machine. He wasn't like that in his prime or back when he was with the early days with the uh, the, the, the San Diego Chargers back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they don't get to see some of that type of play by him. Matthew Stafford gets, I think, a bad kind of look altogether here. So when he that bad trade reputation. happened, we thought it was a great move. It was a great veteran presence that, that they had and that they added to this team. And mm-hmm. that kind of guy that 
you really don't see or even that there isn't a narrative this year about, oh, this is Sean McVay doing this. This is one of the things that really bothered me during the Super Bowl as well. And it's sure it had if it bothered me, I'm sure it bothered um, Jared Goff, because when you're asking me if I'm Jared Goff in an interview, Saying, hey, when that uh when you when that you pulled that audible and you did that spectacular play there, was that really you or was that Sean McVay? And I'm looking at him and I'm kinda like, Really? Did they just ask that question to him? And he's like, dude, if, if I was Jared Goff, I'm like, dude, what the F, dude? Really? You don't think I could have did that? He's like, Oh yeah, no, it was me. You know, that was me. Yeah, I'm good for one every now and then. Like, what the hell? Uh so the the fact that they pulled this trade off to move on from Jared Goff and get Matthew Stafford showed you again that they're going all in, that maybe they thought that was the missing piece that they had to step forward and get this championship that they did need because again, some of the stuff that they have banked on and brought in their trade value that they don't have a number one pick into the 2024 draft. So if they got to win, they got to win now. And Matthew Stafford being the veteran that he is, the, the, that he's been there, the, the toughness that he has, the vision, you don't need Sean McVay in his ear telling him what to see and what it is. He's seen it already. He's been there. He knows what it needs to be done. But like Joe said, every now and then, though, he is a gunslinger still. He will throw it out there. He's confident in himself and what he can do and the ability that he has that he will give you a bonehead move here and there and um, just believe in himself too much at times and give you some of those dumb turnovers. That's the thing you get with him. But, again, that that um, that type of veteran presence that he brings there altogether, the question that they had, can he deliver? I think he can in this, especially because of the, the amount of weapons that he has that he never had with the Detroit Lions. And the fact that he has Cam Akers back to as well, when they've been kind of going running back by committee throughout the season because of the uh, Achilles injury with Cam Akers early on and things like that, and been able to work through it and get this far too, and now get everybody back healthy is a great, stupendous thing for them. And the fact that having like Odell Beckham Jr., like you said, Joe, mm-hmm. That's a whole nother realm. Cooper Cup was doing well before Odell, but then when you have that dangerousness of Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side, mm-hmm. do you want to risk double teaming Cooper Cup and leaving Odell on a one on one? We got to see that a little bit in last week or last not last week's, but the the championship game. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. Odell started to take off with some plays. So then they moved it up and that opened it up for Kurt Cooper Cup again. And then he was able to make some plays and deliver it as well. So it's like pick your poison. It's tough because Odell Beckham Jr., it's kind of funny how with guys with these different attitudes that they have and stuff, but they still have the talent. They can work their way out of bad situations like the New York football giants and the the Cleveland Browns and land on to a Super Bowl-bound team in the Los Angeles Rams, along with Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Matthew Stafford throwing you the ball, mm-hmm. and there you are. You're at the big game right now, Odell Beckham Jr., that much closer to a ring. I love the situation that, that I have here, and I think Matthew Stafford is the guy to deliver. Yeah, definitely, and uh, we've we've said this let's, a numerous amount of times. Let's give a shout out to everybody out here, quick. There's a bunch of people that were point chiming in. No, Donnie, what's up, buddy? No, Donnie is in the house with us tonight. Let's uh, go Bengals. Let's says. go Bengals. He says he's down with the Bengals winning on this one. All right, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and we got Mike Tackett. Mike Tackett's in the house with us tonight. Shut up, Tom, and watch <laughs> Shut up, Tom, watch this show. <laughs> nice, 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 uh, excellent. Mike Tackett. 
What's up, buddy? Mike Talk Tackett. Yeah, absolutely. What's going he on? Said, what he says, can't wait to see Levon Kirkland's interview. If Stafford wins Sunday and has a few uh, more years of production, is he Hall of Fame caliber? Well, before we get to that Ooh. question, Mike, you might want to tune in, tune in for Thursdays. Uh, yeah. Amon Green. Your very own Amon Green, the running back from the the Packers, one of the great Packers there was. Uh, we are going to get a chance to interview him as well on Thursday. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, Amon Green, it's going to be a blast to talk to him because yeah, he, be awesome. he's got a lot going on right now too. So it's going to be really exciting. But anyway, okay. So what was the, the question we'll go back to real quick? Uh what was it? Uh, well, let's say right here too quick, too, that Tom Leiter says Sanders and Megatron are all Hall of Famers on the bad team as well. Uh, different different times. Different times where you saw what they were able to do. Again, and no, and Matthew Stafford was throwing the ball right. to Megatron, and Matthew Stafford has great numbers. Because that was the only only talented receiver he had right. you know, at the time. You know, when he had to go to him an awful lot. Obviously, like if he was double covered, he had to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But there was a quite often. That's why you saw all those escalated numbers from Calvin Johnson. And don't get me wrong. He was a gifted receiver altogether. One of the biggest wide receivers I've ever seen to run like a four, three, five, forty is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. This guy, six, five, 230, 40 pounds could run like that. It was insane. Tom wants us to tag him in the interviews that we do. We'll send that out to you to <laughs> gotcha. Tom. Definitely not. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, two great Hall of Fame, uh, you know, Detroit Lions. Uh, but that's all you could really say about that team. And then you had Stafford. So it was Stafford, Megatron, and, and the rest of the gang. You know to, what I mean? To answer his question, I think fairly for me, and again, this is how it might – this is good. If they, the Rams win this, like we're talking here, if they can win the Super Bowl here, the question's going to come out here, mm -hmm. the same question that Mike Tackett just asked. Yeah. And again, what does it do for his keyword – legacy mm -hmm. this is what he needs i think because yeah. he is constantly overlooked by fans for sure by the media and he's got the stats there i think that that show you that he could be up there but if he gets a championship on top of that that puts him in a better situation to be up for it will he eventually make it i know he i would say right now he's not first ballot but i think he has an opportunity to to make it into the hall of fame what I, what I would say is that, yes, he's Hall of Fame caliber because there are some milestones that he's been able to conquer that a lot of quarterbacks haven't. You know, very few. Guys like Drew Brees, Brett Favre have be able, been able to conquer them. You know what I mean? And with those broken records that he's been able to do, even comeback wins, he's got like the third most or fourth most comeback wins in NFL history. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got to take take this into consideration. He was on a bad team. Yes, they got they drafted Calvin Johnson uh, to pair him up with him, but that team was not good at all. They had a terrible defense, no offensive line really helped, uh, and then no supporting cast beyond Megatron So for the bulk of, of their careers together. So... For Stafford to be able to achieve what he was able to with that kind of a team, and now if he wins this Super Bowl with the Rams right now, I think it, I think it's he's easily going to be into the Hall of Fame. Maybe not first ballot like Jim was saying, but he should be in then. Uh, and and I want to be very clear about this. It's not because he's won a championship. I think that's one of those like cherry on top type of things. Mm, yeah. Uh, because I'm not a fan of voting a guy in because he's won three, he's won four, he's won seven, like Tom Brady. Just because you won a, a championship doesn't mean that, oh, well, he should be in the Hall of Fame. No. That's a team. It's a team sport. 
and that's a team win. So uh, if you're basing it on how many championships the guys has, no. I think it, it comes down to production and how important that player was to whatever teams he played After for. After this season, right now, he's been in the NFL 13 years. Yeah. He is five yards away from 50,000 yards passing. Mm-hmm. He's at the 50 grand mark. Okay. I mean, that's pretty pretty amazing there, too. Uh, unfortunately, again, wins and losses aren't there. He's at 86 and 95 and one. Uh, but, but again, his touchdown to interception ratio isn't terrible. And uh, you've seen games or seasons where he's put up 41 touchdowns back in 2011 and 16 picks. I mean, for a, a bad team with the Detroit Lions, he's had double digit, like 29, 22, 24 plus every season just about with the uh, Detroit Lions. So really getting an offense going for a team that really can't do get out of, out of their own way. You mm. know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a good conversation to be had there for him to go. Uh, but. Uh, it's funny because uh, Tom Blader, he corrects here. Uh, he says, not first, baby, but yes. But, and he says, ballot is autocorrect. But, hey, I, I thought I thought you were just putting some pizzazz on that. Not first, baby, but yes. You know, <laughs> but whatever, whatever, Tom, it's all good. It's all good. But, you know, one of the things he does have here, Matthew Stafford, you talk about weapons, and it's Cooper Cup. He has his best season yet. He has the triple crown. Oh, baby, a triple. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and this guy, again, we waited to see kind of what he's done. He's been a, a prolific player on the field, yes, and, and everything. But uh, for me, and now you kind of see it in what Matthew Stafford brings to this team. It kind of He was the key to kind of unlocked, I think, Cooper Cup a little bit. You know, uh, you did lose Robert Woods early, so you had to have that go-to guy. These guys created a chemistry early, and Cooper Cup showed you what he could do, especially when healthy, and the things that he has done uh, throughout the league and throughout the season. Best season of all, and now, like we said, with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side, it is a deadly mix here. Uh, so the, the Rams, they bring it on offense, and then when you, again, look at that defense here with that porous offensive line that the uh, the Bengals have had. Again, I said it before, 51 sacks on Joe Burrow this year. Uh, Tom knows about uh, Russell Wilson. He gets 50 sacks every season just about. Like He had like five consecutive uh, seasons in a row with like 50-plus. It was terrible. He knows what it's like to not have an offensive line. And when you are able to still put up those numbers despite getting hit like that and stay healthy, um, it is tremendous. Because Joe Burrow, we saw early on in his rookie season, I'd say he only played like nine games last season, yeah. you know, because of the injuries and how bad it was. This year he only missed one game, I think it was, but able to come back strong and he's kind of learned and, and just kind of like you said, Joe Cool, take it, take the sack, or whatever. Don't take a bad one and, and just roll up, live to fight another day, and he gets it done. And one parallel I could say about these two quarterbacks though as well. They can get plays done on their leg with their legs too. People don't think of Matthew Stafford as much of a runner, uh, and and Joe Burrow can run too and scramble too as well. You got to see both of them do so in these past championship games, mm-hmm. and that could be a deciding factor in some of these um, um, third downs conversions and stuff like that. Right, defenses aren't looking; they're going dropping deep, and these guys can take off running and uh, pick up with pick up the first themselves. Absolutely. And I want to go back to Matt Stafford. You, you, mm-hmm. know, you read some of the stats. Well, I'm looking at Hall of Fame leaders right now. 
And Stafford is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th spot right now in terms of stats. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's Hall of Fame worthy. Um, and, and not to say just that, but also touchdowns. Like, he's not far from uh, being out of the top 10. He's got 323 touchdowns to 161 picks. And take into consideration where he was playing for mm-hmm. most of his career, pretty mm-hmm. much all, almost all of it. Uh, so that, to me, is, is screaming out Hall of Famer. Uh, so he definitely meets that criteria, like kind of like what we've kind of created. There's a threshold there. He definitely supersedes that, and he's right there in the top 12, tw- top 15, if you want to give it a, a grace, a, a nice, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a gray area there to mm-hmm. kind of have debates and discussions if where you think he should be placed. But nonetheless, definitely Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, here we go. Now let's talk about the uh, the – the the Bengals here now and Joe Burrow cool under pressure we talked about it there he is Joe cool mm-hmm. and again that pressure he, he that one uh, playoff game I think it was two games wh- wh- who did they play but it was like nine they had nine sacks nine sacks and still kept them in the game still kept their heads too and then the whole team the one thing you saw when the 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 they played the Chiefs they were down what twenty one to three and. They didn't. He didn't lose his cool. He mm-hmm. wasn't getting frustrated. Like, oh man, this is it. You know, for a young quarterback, second season in, basically a season and a half. If right. you look at the way he you know, was out last season, um, but paired up with his former teammate too from LSU, Jamar Chase. These guys have been a dangerous pair throughout the season. But also spreading it around too. It's not like here, Jamar, 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 Jamar. We've got the other guys there. You've got T. Higgins, too. You've got uh, Zuma, their, their, their tight end, too, as well, that they had, that they have a nice, uh, you know, uh, tight end to have there that they haven't had for a bit there, you know, because yeah. they moved on from, from tight end right. um, with some other players that they had there. So a nice young guy to move into that situation, spread the ball around, and Joe Mixon, again, staying healthy. You want to talk about staying healthy? This guy, th- healthy throughout a season and shows you what he's capable of, of a full season, too, as well. Dangerous on all sides here, running, passing, getting it done. But Joe Burrow, cool under pressure, that's right, getting it done, driving the ball down, f- no, not phased at all. And he kind of has that swagger that I think Justin Herbert has with his team too as well. Kind of no real emotion there, at least going through the plays and getting it done. But on the sidelines, though, he's partying up with his players. They're really feeling the moment. Absolutely, and, and, and that's the thing is like Joe Burrow has, has brought a – a, a calming effect to this Bengals organization. He's brought a swagger, a confidence uh, about him that has kind of really, you know, where, where players were really able to bond with him and grow with him. I mean, listen, they're all young. That's the, that's the crazy part of this team is that they're all young and they're all developing and, and growing together right now. Uh, so Joe Burrow able to di- distribute this football to whoever he pleases, whoever's open. Listen, T. Higgins... Uh, who looked basically like a gigantic Chad Johnson out there, uh, uh, you know, in the in the in the closing of the game, started to rip off and get some fir- first downs for them. Big key moments. Jamar Chase. I mean, for a guy coming into his rookie year and able to have the product, the amount of production he has is absolutely insane to think about. Guy over fifteen hundred receiving yards. Over 1,500. Most receivers can't even get over 1,000. Uh, this guy comes in his rookie year and blows the doors off and gets 1,500 yards, double-digit touchdowns, and he's not stopping in the regular season. Look at what he's done in the postseason. He's literally crushed the competition. 
and so far no one's been able to really find um, an antidote to stop him besides maybe the Raiders of all teams. Mm-hmm. The Raiders limited him to, him to, like, you know, next to nothing in terms of, of production. So, uh, Jamar Chase, I mean, record-breaking season this guy's having. Uh, it's absolutely amazing to see what once people criticized him before we even started week one. People were like, oh, well, he doesn't even – he doesn't like – he can't catch the football because it doesn't have stripes on it is what he says. <laughs> or, or like, oh, he's having uh, issues in, in camp. He can't quite get the hang of it. Well, guess what? That was all a ploy. It was all to make you guys sleep on him so he can wake you all up. And and now he's in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most – it's got to be one of the most, you know, sp- you know spiraling – uh, uh, most amazing type of fee- uh, feelings that, that Jamar Chase is having right now. As a rookie, a rookie, his team has made it to the Super Bowl, and now they have a chance to be even greater and win it. Yeah, absolutely. When he uh, got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, he said, you know, I'm looking to break records this season. And then mm-hmm. when he came out, like you said, again, was making a lot of – didn't look good in camp, dropping a lot of balls. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, yeah. man, he can't tell with the stripes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> But then when he turned it on, the regular season started. That's when it started, and he did start taking break, uh, breaking records. To so take a look at some of them here, here's here's five of them that he has so far. He's got the most receiving yards by a rookie in a regular season yep. history, passing Done. Justin Jefferson here of 1,455. Uh, second here, most receiving yards by a Bengal player in franchise history, passing Check. Chad Johnson. Most receiving yards in a single game by a rookie, 266. Check. Another check. Most postseason receiving yards, like you said, the postseason yep. here came too, by a rookie, 279 in NFL history. Check. And first rookie in NFL history with multiple 100-plus yard receiving games in the playoffs. And this is all via Twitter and my at my sports update. So uh, credit to them for, for <laughs> this, putting this list together. Yeah. And there you go. I said he's breaking records, getting it done for a guy that people thought he couldn't catch after it all was said and done. Uh, they're all looking stupid on this end here. But we've got the, the Cincinnati Bengals. This yeah. shows why they've kind of been there, too. Um, Tom Leiter, he says here, um, let's go back to a couple comments he had. He said, um, how many second-year quarterbacks won the Super Bowl? Well, Wilson so, and Big Ben, I think, are and Tom Brady two. Uh, it's not easy, and Tom Brady has and been Tom Brady. as well. He goes, uh, Mahomes da- redshirted. Dan Marino and Colin Kaepernick made it to the Super made Bowl it. in their second year, but they both lost. Yeah, yeah, ready to go. Ker- and Kurt nice Warner, job, that's man. a funny thing, and Kurt Warner technically won a Super Bowl in his second year in the NFL in 1999. But that was after he was drafted in 1994. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then he says, uh, fantasy football championship on Tom's team. Uh, Who was that? Who who was? I don't get that. Fantasy Fantasy football championship championship on Tom's Tom's team. team. Okay. Oh, is he talking about Jamar Chase? Uh, Jamar Chase, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. winning maybe him the chip. Maybe got him the chip. Yeah. Congratulations, Tom. There you Tom. go. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Chase. We got you, go. Tom. We got, he knows. We Joe read knows. It. He knows. We got right, you, bro. There you go. Jamar Chase, absolutely. Again, getting it done. These guys, this team, they're, they're, they're like, again, the hot hand. And if you look at the, the, the caliber of teams that they beat at the end of the season, it's been phenomenal. And the way the Rams have kind of gone into this whole thing, I mean, I think they really put it to – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Bucks weren't ready for him. But besides that, again, the 49ers really giving it to him, and the 49ers had that game. They and definitely they let did. that one slip, and they were able to squeak out here against them barely to get into this thing. 
I feel really bad for the Rams, though, too, because, again, these guys are feeling it. They don't feel the pressure. I think these guys, if you look at some of the teams that I thought were made it here that were kind of the hot team, yeah. but they got yeah. to the big game and it got too big to them, big for them. I felt it the same way about the the Carolina Panthers. They were kind of hot and going. They had that big, long winning streak. Cam Newton, everything's doing super band. They're doing crazy dances. They're really feeling it. He was his MVP season, makes it to the Super Bowl, and he wasn't ready. They weren't no. ready. They got Why? nervous. Why, though? We talked about this numerous times because he's not a quarterback. He, he Most of his success came off of his crazy runs, his, his ability to truck other other defenders and, and mix it up between the run and the pass like short to, to intermediate he's not a quarterback that can make all the throws and that's what limited him when it got to the big show mm-hmm. absolutely so joe it's the big show that's right so we talked about it we talked about the keys to winning this game mm-hmm. who are you gonna pick in this one joe what do you got here you know what it's, it's funny because uh i was thinking about this mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what sean mcveigh the first time he got here, mm-hmm. he was enamored with the, the big stage. You know what I mean? Like, it got too big for him, I feel like, his first stint there. It was too soon for him. Didn't have enough experience. He, he, he kind of, listen, he was this new up-and-coming coach who was basically slaying the competition offensively. His play calling and his ability to, to work with the talent that he had, it kind of just jumped off the page, and they were killing it. Uh, then they get to the Super Bowl, and uh-oh. Who's across the way but Bill Belichick in the Patriots? Uh, a dynasty for, for NFL history to remember. Uh, and w- what happened at midfield before the game? Mm-hmm. He meets up with Bill Belichick, introduces himself. They shake hands. They start talking, right? But he was so enamored. But, like, that was one of his idols, right, Bill Belichick. Now he's standing right next to him in the Super Bowl. They're about to go at each other. And he's just like, wow, I'm, I'm here. Oh, my God. I, I just shook Bill Belichick's hand. I don't think you realize this. I, I just shook his hand, and it's amazing. I can't believe we're here. We are here. So now it's just I got to call the plays, and, and maybe we win. Well, he was so starstruck and so caught up in the atmosphere of, of the, the Super Bowl and everything, he forgot how to coach, it seemed like. A lot of his plays just didn't make any sense for the defense that the Patriots were running. It was like, what is he doing? He's going he's gonna to blow this thing. And the only saving grace of that Rams team was their defense. Their defense held them in it as long mm-hmm. as they could. Mm-hmm. And Sean McVay just couldn't get the job done play-calling-wise. And, and now you now you fast-forward it to now. Sean McVay, back again, second stint. Hopefully he's learned some things you know, along the way. Had some tough lessons that he had to learn. Now I feel like he's he's prepared for this. I feel like the, the stage isn't going to be too big for him right now. We might see the opposite. Zach Taylor now, his first time in the big dance. Now he's facing his, pre, his, you know, his former boss and Sean McVay. How much is that going to tinker around a little bit in his, his, his brain? You know, so uh, a lot of variables going into this one. But uh, I, I think that... I want to say, even though the Rams are favored, I love their defense. I love the way the Rams are playing right now, offensively and defensively. It's just Stafford kind of worries me. As he went through the playoffs, he made some bonehead bonehead decisions. They, they should have been turnovers. The Rams technically shouldn't even be here. 
The Niners should be here. So um, I feel like until he polishes that up, hopefully he can do that in this game. I, I'm going to ride with the Bengals on this one. I, I, I feel like Joe Burrow and this young cast that they have, uh, it's going to be very tough for the Rams' defense. I understand they're going to get pressure. I get all this. But I think Zach Taylor is going to come up with a good uh, good bunch of, uh, you know, good bunch of plays, uh, whether it be offensive blocking techniques. It's going to be different schemes where they're going to double-team Donald and then they're going to chip someone else. They're going to max protect Joe Burrow well enough. They're not going to be able to stop this pass rush altogether. But I feel like they're going to do just enough so this offense can run efficiently. And defensively, the Bengals don't get enough credit, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So coming into this matchup, I understand. They got to deal with Odell. They got to deal with, with um, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Cooper Cup. Uh, they have to deal with those players. But here's the thing is they don't – it doesn't – I don't know if – I don't think they're going to have Tyler Higby. And I, mm -hmm. I know there was speculation of him returning possibly for the Super Bowl – but I don't think he's going to be able to go. If he does, that's a, that's, a, that's a plus for the Rams. However, what's to say if Cincinnati's defense have a game plan to d not just double-team one, but both, and play man-to-man -man with everybody else, with Odell and Cooper Cup? Because that, to me, is what it's going to take to kind of stunt this, this uh, offense a little bit. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to try to stop the run, but this team has seen more of a passing team, so... I look for the Bengals' defense to kind of step up in this one and, and make this a real close game. And right down the stretch, I feel like the Bengals are going to pull this off and get their first Super Bowl championship in franchise history. Make history, Joe. Make history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and when you talk about that team and, and the Bengals in that front even, they've been playing well. We saw B.J. Hill make some big plays for them too. And, they, you know, big pickup for them getting Trey Hendrickson here on this defense too, which really helped out that uh, defensive line for them. And they've been very uh, – opportunistic but they've also stepped up in some of these big games here you saw those the cincinnati Bengals on defense play and, and play tight on uh, and, and and you know it's so much it's so funny here being a giants fan and seeing this talking about players and seeing yeah. odell back there yeah, after back there having again. such a problem there yeah. being there eli apple's name is trending you know and on google <laughs> and everything right now joe eli freaking apple and he's in the big game yep and talk about former yep. uh, like, uh, New Orleans Saint again, too. We got Eli Apple in the big game here, and uh, he's been playing well. And, and people are kind of putting it here on notice. They're like, whoa, what could Eli Apple play here with this team? Wow, mm -hmm. he could do this. Yeah, he, he could do it. But, again, when he gets in trouble, he likes to pull and tug, and then that's when he gets those holding calls and things like that if he gets beat deep. Uh, but, yes, defense has been playing better here. But, again, that offensive line really is really porous, and that could be a problem down the line, especially when you got Aaron Donald on the other side plus Von Miller and, and company. Uh, and you know he's hungry. You saw it in that game. When that game was on the line, they didn't even give Jimmy G an opportunity. They they were smelling blood. Aaron Donald would not be denied. You said it so – or he said it so many times here in, in, in that game and before the game and talking to the guys on the sideline. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking for that ring. This is what I want. This is – I need to finish it off with this. This is the time. We got the team and the talent. We got to do it here. So, Joe, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams to win it at home, second team in a year to play at home and win it 
at home for Los Angeles. Everybody's happy there for Los Angeles. Sam Kroenke, he gets what he finally wants here in that beautiful stadium in SoFi Stadium here. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he he does it here. He is the unsung hero, the guy that comes to the Rams. <laughs> right? He is like the next coming He's of the Messiah. Kurt, Kurt Warner for them there, Joe. He's there to try and bring them to the promised land, you know? He's got the story. I played at a terrible team, blah, blah, My wife's on board with me. Here we go. We're excited. We love to be here in L.A. I finally got some good group of guys around me. And like I said, Aaron Donald, we will not be denied. Second time, they've learned something. Now he is more of the a master and not so much the uh the mentor you know he's more the mentor and not so much the guy that's learning from him you know what I'm he's saying? not the student the student anymore so i think he has the upper hand in this one and like i said i think that offensive line eventually will be the problem but i want to see or i think i will we will see um the the secondary of the rams make some big plays here on, on some of those guys as well and um and get it done. But I think it would be just because of that defensive line. I like the Los Angeles Rams. All righty. Uh, group cover photo bet. There you go. Question um, mark. Question mark. Can you elaborate uh, on that? I don't know bit. what that means. See, I'm um, terrible with anyway, that. Anyway, so. uh, to keep in mind on where these franchises are headed after this game, whether who, win or lose, check this out. The Cincinnati Bengals have the third most cap space with this team that they already have. They have $59 million in change under the cap, which is insane. And the Rams, on the other side, are over the cap by $13 million in change. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, it's, it's not as crazy as the Saints, obviously, but it's easily doable to get back under the cap. But what I'm saying is, is they went all in for this year and this year only. Uh, they are not going to be able to re-sign a lot of their players. Um, they might be able to re-sign a few. But I don't see it happening. Uh, a lot of these high-priced guys or guys that are going to probably maybe command a little bit more money. Um, so this team might look a little bit different. Uh, obviously, they're going to they're going to still have Stafford. But um, in the end, two teams on very different paths after this game. Mm-hmm. There you go. That is. The Super Bowl 56 uh, preview right there. I'm going Rams. Joe's going Bengals. Bengals, baby. That's right. We got a lot Hoo of day. stuff planned this week. Virtual Radio Row. We have Amon Green tomorrow, and we have LeVon Kirkland on Friday. Next week, our show, I will be drinking liquor out of this thing right here. It is a football-sized uh, container here. I will be getting drunk. Make sure you guys come and check out that show. It is going to be a lot of freaking fun. We'll be talking about the game, the ups and downs, and a hell of a lot more. And maybe next week we'll do our over and under achievers and things like that too with the yeah. with the teams, our season-ending uh, stuff. And then we're going to take a break for a little while and then get back into it with the free agency. Yeah, and free agency stuff. in the so draft, guys. I'm ecstatic about this offseason. It's going to be exciting. I feel like this 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 offseason is going to be the most exciting we've ever seen because a lot of quarterbacks up for grabs. Guys aren't deciding where they want to go. We still got to wait to hear if Russell Wilson actually gives an official trade, uh, you know, wants to be traded from the team, from Seattle possibly. Or where does Aaron Rodgers go? Where is he going to go? Deshaun Watson, his court case still isn't done with. We haven't heard squat about that. And he wants to be traded from Houston. I still think that holds true still that he wants out of there. Uh, but a lot of moving pieces. Jimmy G, you heard it from from Jimmy. We talked about it last week, too. They're already working on trading him. They're already working on it. So he's going to be out. Where does he go? 
There's a lot going on. I can't wait to talk about that. So absolutely, buckle right. up, everybody. Absolutely, like uh, stay tuned. Like I said, uh, check out our YouTube. We'll be posting the uh, the, the videos and uh, tagging you, Tom. Thank yes. you so much, and we Amon will see Green, you guys, Levon uh, Kirkland, tomorrow. All right, see ya. Join us next week from eight till ten Wednesday night for more football on the know with Jim and Joe.